Good evening. Welcome to Carbide Content. I'm John. I'm David from Contraption Collection. And I'm Dalen from MachineWise. And we've done it. We've, we've nailed done it. it. Oh, and no Grant. I uh, why is he banned this week? Um, it's Easter. He he, he no. Oh Easter. yeah, it's it's he yet again a holiday. Easter, he doesn't have Easter spirit. Yeah. yeah. He's still trying to find all the eggs. Yep. <laughs> we hit a bunch of eggs and he couldn't find them all before getting on the podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be, uh, you guys can feel free to ask any questions you want to me about my, uh, my new knife. I announced the Stradivarius X one. Is that the name of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's I saw the video. I'm, I may as well just go out of business, honestly. Yep. Yep. Same. I've already sold my machines actually. Oh shit! You're you're a step ahead of me. Yeah, I think I'm gonna dominate the market between uh, between that and AI. I'm screwed. It's <laughs> <laughs> serious. Uh, I'm miles yes, ahead looks, of AI. It looks like a very human design. It, in the best way possible, like a oh yes, you know, like Da Vinci was a human. Yep. It all yeah. makes sense. You bought the Haas solely for this. Oh, I haven't even said that on the podcast yet. Oops. Oh, you bought a Haas? <laughs> I didn't yep. even know. I keep... <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. We um, talked about it last week, so my brain... I Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to ship on Monday, nice. which is like three days from now, four days from yeah. now. So it'll uh, it'll ship freight? Uh, like, like, like I, it'll, I mean... It'll, the freight will start. It'll be on a truck coming to you on Monday. I, I think so. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I got to get moving on ordering some tool holders. Yeah. What are you going to go for? I just I still I'll probably get a couple of both and then a bunch of random stuff because of uh, both hydraulic with sleeves and hydraulic without sleeves. Cool. Yep. Cause I I don't know I feel like I don't know I really just want to see how the difference is with runout and uh, what it's like with coolant. Yep, I have uh, a I have a confession to make. Yes. yes, I haven't checked runout on a single one of the tools in my brother. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't check it either. I only well, check guys... it if it's a problem. I check it when I crash things, and then that's it. <laughs> I've well, been trusting are... the hydraulic holders. I'm betting you guys are at a starting point that's better than the Tormach to begin with. Also, obviously. Yeah. Uh, secondly, uh, like um, what the small size tool John uses is like twenty thou or something, right? So that actually matters. Yeah, but so, Dalen, yeah. what's your smallest tool? An eighth? No. So I use uh, I have a one sixteenth in the mighty, and then the brother had a thirty thou hard milling tool in it for a while. Well, what do you use that for? Milling really tiny hard things. Oh, oh. I'll avoid <laughs> it was the for, obvious it was, joke. Yeah, it was for a uh, it was for a, a, a like a prototype job. Oh, okay. I'll and fortunately, that feature is no point. longer part of that part. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because thirty thou hard milling end mills on, you know, yeah. not a dedicated style machine is is not enjoyable well we were talking to like andy 
from Squid Industry at Blade Show, and he was saying that like his tiny tools last forever. It's the big ones that wear out. Yep. Which is I, interesting. I definitely have the same thing, except for the uh, hard milling. <laughs> yeah, that nothing lasts anything in hard milling. Y- yeah, yeah, that. Yep. That makes sense. But uh, if I can get better run out, uh, then like the smallest size is a sixteenth because that's where. Like I, I feel like it's kind of pointless to check run out with my Tormok because, um, you know, I could, like I, I scratched a little mark on the spindle because the spindle you can put tools in any orientation. So I could yep. like fiddle with it and like, you know, for the probe I do, I, I try to always put it in the same place. But like for most tools, I don't want to like always try to be like, okay, the letter T on the laser engraved word Tormok, I'm going to try to match yeah, right. with this scratch mark and hope that the run out is still you know what i mm-hmm. got it to yeah exactly um, and like i don't know they're just uh yeah i i could open up some you know interesting design possibilities with my crazy lobed holes in the future if i want because i'll be able to use even smaller tools if i want to definitely i am curious to see your findings on hydraulic with sleeve versus hydraulic without well I did go ahead and decide to get through spindle coolant. Nice. And so that's why I would try both is just, is it worth as much as possible using through spindle coolant or is it not worth it? Because if you're using a small tool, which most of my tools are small, you're going at such high RPM that through spindle just gets like chucked outwards from centrifugal force. um, And the The regular flood would work better. On all these small tools, some, uh, something I've realized because I run, I run CTS always on the brother, except yeah. for when I'm using Air Blast. Um, on all these small tools, the 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 stick out is so short that yeah, it cones, but it it's still very functional because it's there's no well, distance for it, you know. I need to like get like a super zoom lens inside the machine or something. Cause like it cones, but like it doesn't need to cone very much. I would think for it to not be getting in the cut. Like it could be close enough that it's pushing chips away, but like, is it keeping the tool as wet as flood wood is what I'm curious about. So I'm running on the finishing pass for the slift T blades. I haven't gotten an MQL setup yet um, for the through spindle air. So I'm using through spindle coolant just for the finishing pass on the bevels. Mm-hmm. And I'm running that at all the RPM. So 16,000. Nice. Um, and I've tried it with just flood. I've tried it with just CTS and I've noticed no difference in finish. And I've also done it with just air and the just air is a garbage finish. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think for I guess, hard milling, yeah. I would try... Uh, I, I did get MQL. Um, I don't know how Man. much hard milling I'm going to do. All of it. Well, <laughs> well, I, I decided... I had been hard milling the bevels, like, the entire bevel. Yeah. Um, I kind of stopped doing that for a while. I, I could go back to hard milling the bevels, but it just... It was it was warping the blades on me so much because I only have a bevel on one side that I think it might be better to to do the bevel beforehand and obviously it would save machining time and stuff too. Yeah. 
Uh, but uh, and I'm also, I mean, I guess, I guess the machining time would become the same if if I I do want to try making angled fixtures to put the bevels at an angle so I can mm-hmm. just cut them flat. And I guess if I did that, the machining time would basically become the same. Yep, you could also get a nice, a nice shiny mirror finish hard milling them that way. Yeah, that would be sick. I should yeah. try that. I should try that at least once. You have many things to try, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing I the know. progress. I, yeah, I um, um, I guess I'll just finish. I'll say like my updates besides the machine is just yeah. I made this April Fools video. I've been working on another more boring regular update video but i was kind of feeling discouraged and confused about it so like uh the day before april fools like we had kind of talked about april fool stuff before like how like it'd be funny to do this or that um and uh like it was like the night of april fools like the night before and i was like i just want to do something fun and so i spent like six hours from like Oh gosh. You know, like 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. or something, and I designed that knife and made a script and, you know, quote-unquote filmed it and edited it, uh, you know, just in one straight run. And, That's uh, awesome. Uh, but it was very fun to do. I bet. My only I mean, regret was... is I could have made it even worse. Looking back on it, I thought of so many other terrible things I could have done. Oh, man. It was wild just seeing it in my recommendeds because I had no idea you were working on it. Yeah, because I didn't say it. I I was just like, I only have a few hours to do this. I have to decide now. It was a fever dream video. For some reason, I did it. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you did because it was entertaining. Yeah. I mean, nothing like I'm a narcissist or something. Nothing's funnier to me than... uh, editing something you yourself came up with because it's just like it's funny and then you figure out how to like cut it just right or i don't know change the words of or choose the right take just the right way and it yep because you can pander to your own humor i guess (laughs) yeah um that's funny it's funny seeing people like pick up on things over time where like for so long i i put in the like I put like an arrow, this handles aluminum and I put like AL, like the atomic symbol. And then this handles bronze. And I put BR like as if that was the atomic symbol for bronze, which is not its bromine. And like nobody like picked up on that. And then now I'm getting like a bunch of people being like, wait, this is that. It's like, you guys are just reading each other's comments. Don't pretend you know what (laughs) elements are. I didn't pick up on that. I probably missed a lot of things, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm hopefully I just finished editing like the real video I should do or, um, well, I didn't finish editing, but I finished filming everything and then doing like a rough edit and that, that I'm going to probably have cleaned up a little bit by my editor I work with. Then, then I got to start hurrying up with getting ready for the Haas. You have so much Haas content to make now. Yeah. I hope so. I hope I right. can uh, do a ton so, of cool stuff. Are you using your own riggers to uh, to do the the ins- or not the install, but the the rigging of the Haws? Or does Haws have their own people for that? I'm I'm going with the company that the Haas rep recommended in town. Okay. Okay. So and then, do you know when it's supposed to hit your floor? I don't. I, okay. Uh, 
I don't know, because I assume it's coming from California, and so if it ships on yeah. Monday... I mean, it'll get there in, like, three days. Yeah, not. I mean, that'd be crazy if... I guess it is possible it's going to be here next week, which yep. is insane. It'll, it'll really depend on your rigorous schedule. Like, it, it'll go to their warehouse, and then whenever oh, they right. are available. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. Nice. And you, uh, you, you officially have three phase? Like, like there's yep. actual voltages going through wires and stuff yep i think the the final 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 inspection stuff was done although it was like weird because like waiting for the last very last one some guys finally showed up i don't know if it's the city power or or uh like the city like it's weird because it's like i didn't think about it first you know like the power companies are like these regulated monopolies Uh um but they, I guess, you know, have, they have to have like independent inspectors too. So, so I got, you know, inspected by the utility company and the, uh, city, I think. Oh, um, interesting. I don't know. Like, uh, it seemed like there was several, like, you know, several, uh, inspections, but whoever did the last one, they just kind of briefly looked at some stuff and they looked at the box and they're like, Oh, so nothing's hooked up. And the guy's like, yeah, I guess, uh, they're doing this for a, and he like looks at his notes, uh, CNC machine, whatever that is. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, what? <laughs> well, I would have thought maybe these inspectors might know that. I mean, I guess they don't have to, but, uh, right. I don't know what else people use three phase four giant, I mean, flower industrial. Machines. Yeah, it's all industrial. Like they shouldn't. I don't know. It seems up their alley to understand to some extent. Industrial equipment, at the very least. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess hopefully uh, everything goes smooth. But you know, there's green tags on things that say it was inspected. Cool. You're official. Nice. Oh. Hell yeah. So what pizza party guys- when the Haas delivers. <sighs> Yeah. What are, you, what are you doing for air? I have a we we have a nice Kaiser air compressor. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think I should be good for a while. Yeah, you should be. Although it's just like going to be a hose on the ground like we were trying to find somebody I don't know to like I don't know, maybe I should just do it myself like the the problem is there's like garage doors and the and the ceiling's kind of high, so if I want to do like real airlines I feel like a little intimidated about how the best way to do that would be. Um, I know Saunders did it himself. I think Lucas did it himself in his newest building. Um, you should do like eventually. A I probably should do something. Bass pipe or whatever. Rapid Air makes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rapid Air. Yep. Pex. That's what I was going to recommend. I need to do that in my shop as well. There's, That's next there's on my bunch, list. Yeah, there's a bunch of cheaper knockoffs too that will also use the Rapid Air. Like the components will still work. So, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is this also the one where you can like lay out your shop on their site configurator? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do that for myself soon as well because it's, I'm, I'm so, so overdue for that. Yeah. I have yeah, so I many air hoses. hoses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I have. <laughs> yep. I've just, just got a, a network of them. Yeah. I think Grant too. Yeah. Nice. What have you guys been up to? John, tell us your things. Uh, Well, I've been busy. 
doing uh-huh. stuff. Yep. You know, like other people with with eyeballs. So yeah, I'm a I'm a busy human. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, just been watching my video over and over. Exactly. And sending David videos of myself. <laughs> uh has production been going well? Yeah, actually the mill's running right now. And then Ooh, nice. the, air, the air compressor's been running for like six hours today because it's all hard oh, gosh. oh no. And I was like, I wonder how I wonder how long the wake covers would last like this if you like they stayed dry all the time. So I don't know. That's so, that, that's been a big concern of mine with the brother. Yeah, I kind of like I don't worry about it, but at the same time, like I've heard at least for my year, it's like a 2019 VF2 getting way covers for it is really difficult. So I'm like, like replacements are really hard to find. So I'm like, Mm, if they do go out, yeah, if they do do go out, what do you do? You know, do you have a washdown coolant at all? Like like any any secondary coolant pump for washdown? No, but what I was thinking was I have like a pretty powerful. It's not an aquatic pump, but it's like a submersible pump that I was using for some of the um, tumbling fluid. I was oh, like, I'll yeah. just do that in the tank. Oh, totally. And then run that against the. It's really all I care about is the X X way covers because that's the that's thing where like the all the movement is. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be super easy to do. A little yeah. bit of silicone hose, and at the same time, I'm like, is that worth my time? You know I mean? It could be. I think it might be. Honestly, I've yeah. been told by like every everyone at Yamazen, every brother tech, every applications engineer is like. You don't need to run your washdown coolant on your way covers. You don't need to worry about your way covers ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh-huh. Well, I kind of like yet. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, do the does the chip shape matter? So if you have stringy chips, I bet that's pretty bad for the the covers. But if you have like right? you know, dust that's getting under the covers anyways, maybe because the covers are old enough at this point where they're like they're rippled. So they don't. Yeah, they don't. They don't um, what do you call it? They don't squeeze you. Yeah, yeah. And all the chips anymore. And like, I don't care that much because, right, you know, it's just going to f- it falls down there and maybe it falls on the ball screw, but it'll probably be fine kind of thing. Yep. So, yeah, I think the ball nuts also have a have a wiper seal on each end, too. So, yeah. So that's just what like if, something I was thinking of today, but I'm like, whatever. Yep. what if they start making way cover covers? Ooh. <laughs> telescoping covers for your telescoping <laughs> covers. Yeah, I think that's it's like one that. of those. It's like one of those things, you know. You have like a machine that can supposed to last a while, but like if you can't get parts for a wear item, then dude, right? Like, wh- what? What do you do? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> you're not. They're really not an easy thing to like procure. Like somebody else is gonna make. They're kind of hard to source. They're shaped weird, yeah. and they have, you know, I don't know. They're just they're pretty special, honestly. For as simple, they are. I mean, they're uh, also pretty damn accurate. Like. Yeah. They have to squeegee on each other and they're a moving, moving telescoping assembly. Yeah, I'm like, I've had them apart a bunch of times. And like when you have them apart, you regrease like the inside. They're like, mm-hmm. I think they're Teflon. They're essentially like Teflon bearings, but they're just right on top of each other. And I noticed yep. if you get if you get the balance wrong, because they they're kind of slotted, then they won't equally collapse, essentially. Like one will collapse halfway and then like until mm. the other one. But they're kind of designed to be okay with that anyways because they have like bump stops on them yeah they're, they're kind of weird they're kind of cool for like i said as as simple as they are but yep. yeah i'm surprised they've actually lasted as long as they have yeah i don't four years three and a half years now 
Okay, yeah. Are your bump stops still working? Do they do they not clack? They they do, but the last time when I had to do that that grease to oil conversion, I had them apart and I put them back together and like you tighten it all up and you try to get it equal, but they don't collapse like equal anymore kind of thing because yep. I, I didn't spend the time to like make sure they were doing that and it doesn't hurt them that they don't okay. they close only when they hit each other essentially like yeah. it's not that big of a deal yep yeah i don't think my mighty has bump stops in the in its way covers yeah um but yeah i just what have we done like hard milling essentially blades so for once i was like okay the blades are good so i have let's see i've heat treated every single day this week nice which is which has been interesting yeah. Um, yeah, it's been basically blades. I'm trying to catch up. I'm almost done with book spots, which is cool. So, oh, that's really like a pretty big weight off my shoulders. And I'm like, yeah, seriously. I'm be like, start less. having cash flow. Yeah, it was like less or no book spots after these are done. And then uh-huh. there's there's a lot of like the little stuff that I want to take care of that has been like, no, I should be working on book spots instead of doing these like home improvement type things. So right, that'll be like. Uh, good, I think, to be able to do those things because they're just small, challenging things. And mm-hmm. I don't know. But so, yeah, I have a pretty positive outlook since like the beginning of the week was I was like, OK, like it's it's this month or it's no months kind of thing. But I'm like, <laughs> OK, it might, it might work. OK, nice. Yeah. yeah. So, we like looking up. Yeah. I don't know. There's been a bunch of small stuff but i can't remember any oh of the yeah weird challenges like i fixed my like last two weeks ago the bandsaw like i have the harbor freight like the premium bandsaw if you will and like they're <laughs> really the expensive one. now like they used to be like 800 dollars. they're like 1400 dollars now Wait, they're really the the little the little horizontal red one the the bigger the bigger one that has coolant and everything like oh there's two versions of the horizontal the bigger one's okay. much much better like i've okay. had mine for like three or four years now and i have no complaints oh, nice. but like the front guide the top bearing was like seized and <laughs> all this like little stuff it was just like kind of mistaken care of and i was like if that thing breaks then i'm screwed because i buy like bar stock mm-hmm. and it's not cut and then i cut it and i was like if that thing broke then i'm not really sure what i'd what i'd do hey so, i like, i'm using like uh, I don't even know sub five hundred dollar. I'm sure Makita mm-hmm. chop saw, and an even cheater cheaper wood chop saw that I have a different metal cutting blade on, mm-hmm. and I use the wood one for aluminum and the the uh, Makita one for steel. I haven't really cut titanium with it, uh, but those saws I've had for like the wood one I've had for like ten years, and I've had the Makita for like seven or something. Yeah, they I haven't even changed the blades on them. Yeah, I have like one of those cold cut drop saws, but that's I was using it for like fabrication stuff. So like open walled pipe tube, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Building and all that. But a bandsaw, like especially even this Harbor Freight one, I'd still recommend it, even though it's like pretty expensive now, is like pretty game changing if you cut your own stock. I mean, if, if you order it like cut to size, that's that's even better. But yeah, that's what I do. That's yeah. what I'm mostly do now. Yep. Yeah. So blade stock we still cut to length. I just buy I buy three foot bars of blade stock. Blade stock has been a pain in the last couple couple weeks because the person I was buying Magna Cut from, 
mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't have it. And they like ran out three months ago. And I was like, oh. you know, you did the notify me when it's in stock and it still hasn't been in stock. And they had it like perfect where it was like it was like a hundred and thirty thou. Um it was just like I didn't have to f- like face it or do any tool path work to the top. Just heat treat that and then surface grind it. And then like they ran out and I was like, well, there goes that, that, you know, Oh no. And you know how like everyone's bar stock is just slightly different. So like the width of one person's bar stock is different. So that fit pretty Yeah. And then the the next one was like, it's like, yeah, it's one, you know, it's one eighth bar stock thickness. So you're like, okay, cool. The tolerance is plus and then minus zero or something. And you get it and it's like 126. And you're like, well, I can't do anything with this because when you treat it, it's going to, move around and then like of course the thickness is one and a half inches but no it's not actually one and a half inches it's Uh it's like miles away so that's been fun i guess but this one guy ordered from canada which has actually been the most reliable place to get magna cut and you would think it'd be really expensive shipping wise but it's almost comparable to anyone in the u.s uh okay that that's listed as a 125 thou and it's it's 156 so it's like and it's yep. it's um it's not surface ground it's just like what do you call it i guess it's just a milled finish on it but it's like yeah, that's the like the rolled mill finish yeah and that's totally fine because it just goes in the mill and then like i end up having to use like a flat tool path to get it closer to like a surface grinding thickness before it gets heat treated yeah that's what i do but I, I, like Material is all over the place as far as like steels go, especially Magna Cut, which is still, I would say, pretty new. Yeah. So yeah, that, I've that's, that's been fun. I've like year and a half, almost two years ago now, I, I stopped buying any Blanchard ground or quote unquote precision ground bar stock in yeah. lieu of just getting the the mill finish. That way I know for a fact my my stock will be oversized. Yeah, I found out I'm just you're throwing money away doing that if you're going to. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, service grind or whatever after. Yep. Also, it looks like Jance has a Magna Cut in stock. So if you order that and it's 125, it's literally 125. Awesome. I was, I was hoping it was going to be. <laughs> that was what I messed up on last week. Yep. Uh, and, I, and you know so what the funny, thing is? the funny thing is? I was like, I'm almost certain I've done this before with Jance, and it was with 20 CV like two years ago. And I was like, yep. Shit. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. Gosh. They have a 5.36 option for thickness. Yeah, but what I was hoping was that it was going to be close, and then, so... Yeah, what yeah I should like have done oversized, but close. What I should have done is, I'm I'm complaining, but a simple a simple solution would have been to, you know, call them or email them, so... It's, re- it's really a simpler my fault solution. Day, but, you know... Can't they just put a, a, a spec sheet or tolerance or drawing or something... So what's on the the website has a, a tolerance, doesn't it? It's like 10 thou over and zero. And I was like, oh, hopefully it's going to be 135. And it was like pretty much dead nuts, 125. And I was like, damn, See, it. does Jans in particular? Because I've 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 fought this issue a lot in the past and learned my lessons the hard ways. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't how, see a tolerance on Jans, but how busy is your surface grinder, Dalen? <laughs> um, not. I, I feel like. Someone could make money, just literally make a knife stock website for people and just make things actually the correct size. Just sell one inch rectangles (laughs) 
that surface ground to whatever length. That's funny. I mean, to whatever thickness. And it's just like, it's all good. I promise. It's within a thou. Everything's like within a thou. Yeah. And and like, you know, the people who buy from Jance, most of them are probably just hand grinding stuff, you know. Most of them aren't doing CNC, but, you know, I bet there's decent market for for some people out there who are are making higher quality stuff. My most outsourced thing or the not outsourced the the most outside work i take on is surface grinding yeah Yeah. well it's like it's like like i'm complaining about jance nailing the 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 size they list on their website and i like i want what i'm wanting is people to lie about the size (laughs) yeah what i'm really arguing for is something really stupid the thickness (laughs) is accurate but it's not like the surface finishing quality you want Yeah, well, it's just because it's because of the way, like, at least, you know, the way I'm processing it, it the thickness doesn't lend itself to being like helpful at, at that nominal one eighth or whatever. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, that's that's been and then like steel went up at least from the last time I ordered like twenty five or fifty dollars for the same amount. I was like, holy. Yeah. How much do you usually order at a time? Uh, like how many blades worth? Like what was this? This was fourteen blades worth, so it's really small quantities. But the next okay. one's gonna be like much bigger, just nice. because yep. I'm like everything's pretty all all set now. Yeah, yeah. I've been buying. I'm I'm hitting a point where I really should just start buying sheets. Yeah, but I really don't want to have to figure out a a water jet solution. Well, that was like finding someone. Yeah, so what I do for the handles is like it's titanium and it's it's rectangular square. And there's this guy in California that like I bought some off eBay years ago and he keeps I keep messaging him. He doesn't have it listed. I'm like, hey, will you sell me this again? And he's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And it's like super cheap. So I'm like, why would I not? But it's sheared material. And the thing with sheared material is like it usually has a bend in it if Uh it's near one of the ends of the, the plates or whatever. Right. Okay. Next time, we're getting material water jetted out of a plate because I'm tired of the plates showing up and there's a bend in them. And I've had a couple knives in the last couple weeks where I'm like, why is this the blade not centered? And it ends up being Uh that the stock. And truthfully, I never really cared about it because I thought machining it would be totally fine this way. Mm -hmm. You machine the correct like the concave in a certain direction, and I never paid attention to the bend, but. Mm So what I started doing was like I got some in like this last week and I'm looking at the plates and like some of them are like pretty bent because again they're sheared. So I started bending them flat with just an arbor press and that's Mm -hmm. already made like a humongous improvement in actual like the knives go together more (laughs) normally and (laughs) people are like the stock wasn't flat so that's on you but before it was like it would be fine because you'd be able to machine it and you would basically want the bow facing towards the blade and it always kind of work. But mm-hmm. so that's just been, it's been like the small quality of or process improvements, I guess that have really been needed. Yes. That, it adds up. Killing me. Yeah. Like the next thing is the quench plates for the, for like heat treating. They just, they don't like heat gets stuck in them for too long. Cause they're too small essentially. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I'm limited to batch size, and I ran into a like a funny issue today. Um, 
in the furnace itself, like the blades go into a you know this a steel bag or whatever, and mm-hmm. you pull them out and then they get quenched on the plates. Well, I've had them if the bags touch at any point, sometimes they'll get stuck together or they'll just stick enough to where it makes it hard to pull them out of the furnace. Do you like I don't so? Know. Our bags do touch, and we don't have that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have had it in the past. I think it's specifically when the blades in the bags are touching each other. Mm-hmm. So the way I have it is like they're racked vertically on ceramic okay. like posts, essentially. Yep, I used to so go that, that route. So what are you doing now? They're just stacked? Uh, I do. So, yeah, they're just laying flat now on the floor. Um, it's less important. Because we 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 hard mill everything now. But, yeah. Uh, I want to go back to doing it spine side up or like spine side down vertically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason I stopped doing it was back when I would finish machine blades and then heat treat. I was getting warp along the spine. So they, it, it wasn't taco wing. It was banana ing. Yeah. So so what happened today was it, it, I'm honestly, it's probably because the way they're they're racked is not very good either. Like okay. I got kind of caught or one of the bags kind of got caught on the the rack as I tried to pull it out. And it like, I've had that. Yeah. Bags. Yeah. Like whatever, pretty simple, <laughs> but it ends up like I didn't get it quenched straight against the plates. It was just like, there was one wrinkle or something for me. Uh, doing that. And so I took it out of the, like, everything's good. And I'm like checking them on the surface plate, how out of, there's always a slight bow, which is totally fine. Cause yeah, there's some thickness built in there to service grind them flat or whatever. And like one of them's bowed pretty bad. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I've been bending. I've been bending the titanium. I'll just bend this one back to straight. And some of the blades actually totally fine. But this, <laughs> I stuck it too far. And I'm like bending it, bending it. And it snapped. And this thing shot across the room. And I was like, oh, well, that one's scrap. <laughs> like right I've snapped the- a couple of blades. The first yeah. blade I ever snapped was actually a... Um... I was I was doing blades for someone else. It was just some some prototype blades, so that it was customer supplied material, Whoops. and they needed a certain amount. Yeah, and they sent me that certain amount. Yep. No. And the stock was warpy already. And heat treat them, and they're coming out warpy. I'm like, hey, you know, these are warpy. I'm like, well, let's see if we can straighten them. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got through all of them. Last one snapped it in half. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known better because I like it was a really small area. It's like the front of the that the stock on mine where it's very oh, yeah. thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, the other one's bent just fine, but I, yeah, I got a little carried away. On yeah, we one. on ballets in particular because the blades are just so long. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do have a straightening step. It's it's right after assembly. Yeah. Um, let's say seventy five percent don't need any and any straightening but every so often we'll we'll get some where we have to tweak them in a little bit and that's just kind of it that seems to be an an industry standard even in in folders i notice a lot of straightening setups in other shops yeah i've definitely like big improvement on making sure the stock is as good as possible before it hits the machine has been like yeah that's not important and then i'm like yep. that's really important is what it I is thought. We've been uh, running into some slight warping on our surface grinder recently. Mm. I had a, so this this was kind of funny. So I'm doing these I'm doing these flat tool paths. So like I said, the stock comes in, it's it's oversized and it's it's annealed. So I'm cutting it down from like 156 or whatever to like 135. 
which mm-hmm. is enough to, if there's any bow, be able to like bend it or get the surface grinder basically to get it out kind of thing. Yep. Are you taking and it all the, off one side? Yes. And okay. so what I found was the flat tool path, the way I'm running it is like it's a three eighths end mill. And I'm going to a quarter inch like when the when some new tooling comes in. But okay. basically the way the flat tool path on this one was working was it would come out. It would start from the center of the blade on the outside, and it's only fixtured with two bolts on the ends where like if you've ever seen the way like my stock is, it's just yeah. using the two two outside outside bolts like annealed. And so it starts the tool path starts in the center and on the outside and kind of just slowly works its way inwards, but always mm-hmm. starting on the outside. And so that's been working pretty good. And I was like, okay, well, it's not very fast. Like some of those yeah, right. is like none of the, the whole tool path time for the whole knife is like absolutely insane doing some rough calculations. But I was like, I'm going to change the tool path to start in the center and kind of ramp down and then okay. work out that way. Well, really interestingly, Nothing else changed in the entire process. They warp, they potato chip where that the start center is, uh, where Wild. the tool, where the tool comes down, and it's just enough. Yeah, it's so from one fifty six to one thirty five. That's enough thickness. It generates enough heat, I guess, or enough stress starting in the center of the blade to actually like pull it to the center after heat treat. So I was like, oh, I guess I'll go back to the other tool path, and it never did that with the old tool path, but it's really noticeable that it's that's, like that's super interesting boat, essentially yep because yeah, yeah i've been that's wild because i've i've been getting i've been trying to deep dive more and more into straight parts yeah because ev- everything i make is long and thin yeah, yeah. so even like the titan our, our tie handles uh i mean all my customers know i think you guys know as well i've taken serifs out of production three times now because i've been fighting light gap between the handles which is something yeah. no one seems to care about except me <laughs> yeah, I had I had something like that, too, with the backspacers and like you would look uh-huh. for them and they would have light. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like everything is <laughs> right. So a, a big thing with like I've noticed is before I was like parts don't go together. I don't understand why. Like I check the size and they go together. So taper has been like a huge thing or it used to be a huge thing. And start mm-hmm. until I started doing that like high feed mill strategy, yep. essentially. And yep. like taper has disappeared from everything and stuff goes together like really nicely. Like Mm -hmm. even blades to pivots is much like the whole thing. There's no hang up anywhere because it used to, it's just the short pivot hole would have taper in it. Yeah. It's just so much less cutting force. Yeah. And so like a big, a big thing to me has been like, well, it's not that the machine is inaccurate or the tooling blah, blah, blah. Strategy wise. It's like, most of the stuff you've been making has a taper to it because like, you know, stuff bends and the yeah, same thing everything with, is rubber. Yeah. The same thing with floor finishes and being flat. If you take a big tool, see what I was thinking before was like, you take a big tool, right? And you take mm-hmm. a nice wide step over. Well, all you have is like the next step over to deal with. That'd be like the little bump, if any kind of thing. And so you're like, okay, if I take a big tool and take wide step overs, it's going to be flat because, you know, you're kind of making that the big tool, the floor finish. Right, but in reality, is, in reality, you're dumping so much heat or you're the tool was, you know, influenced by bending forces of some sort or yeah, your head tram or the yeah, fixed tram. Say, it means the tram matters more, too. 
Yeah. And so I like went the opposite way and basically like a very, very light depth of cut and a much a smaller tool and a yep, much smaller step over. Yeah. And like surfacing one, flats basically. Yeah. It's it's flat actually. And the biggest thing is it tumbles extremely fast in comparison. Yeah. You don't have like the gouge marks that get left over from it like mm-hmm. either like a trammer or you know there was a bow of some sort. And so that's right. what I'm going to do on these blades is I'm like, I bet 156 to uh, 135, like that much of a depth of cut with flat with a 3 8 tool is actually generating enough heat to cause that sort of uh, issue. So I'm going to try like a quarter inch tool and do like a stupid small step over, but like a much faster speed. And it just goes to like back to like high feed uh, like roughing strategies, which is, oh, yeah. I know we're too young to know that this was a thing, but th- when it first came on the scene in milling, people rejected it because it was like, mm-hmm. there's no way you can actually mill that fast kind of thing. Yep. But the cool thing with the strategy is it dumps like no heat into the part. So that's kind of what I'm going to, what I've been doing for surfacing too, I guess. But right. Put all the heat into the chips. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, it's been interesting. I I may be young, but I came from manual machining for about five years before CNC. So I definitely, uh, I I still got to experience that, that transition. I, I definitely had to deal with older guys who high speed machining tool path strategies and high feed were like super foreign or they thought it was dumb or whatever. Yeah. Or they thought just using carbide was dumb. It's like, oh, you're not, you can't even get enough surface foot per minute that the calculator says because the RPMs mm. doesn't go that high. So you might as well use high speed steel. Yeah. That's yep. like, <laughs> what's funny is like the, for hard milling the blades, like after they've been surface ground and everything, I have found for the adaptive that doing like a really light with the cut and then like a pretty big depth of cut doesn't work for subsequent operations for some reason. And by this, I mean, like you get the ghosting from other toolpaths. for yep. some reason, doing a light width of cut with like a high depth of cut, even taking like really small stair steps, like intermittent roughing steps or whatever still leaves ghosting. But if you do something where you take like 50% plus of a tool diameter and do like for this, for roughing the blades, I'm doing like, uh, the depth of cut is like one and a half thou. So like skimming it essentially, yep. it won't leave ghosting marks. And I don't exactly know why, because the tool paths are almost identical. They're just flip flop and it won't do it. Like it's How's that affecting strange. your tool life. It's almost the same, which is also interesting. Really, what, also what tool are you using? It's a three sixteenths five flute with like a 10 thou corner red. That's wild. Cause whenever I tried, um, I tried to to do more of the the really shallow depth, much larger width of cut strategies back when I first swapped over to my my Harvey uh, hard milling profile end mills. Mm-hmm. And they have a I think it's a 15 thou corner red. Yep. And I was I was following their recommended surface footage and chip loads and, and you know, they're like a couple thou depth of cut, you know, 30, 40 percent radial. And I was blowing those tools up left and right. So I just said, screw it one day, plunge it full depth and take like 20 thou diameter. So and it just it goes forever now. 
Yeah, so what I was doing was that, but because of the ghosting thing, I have to do this like wide with mm. the cut. And off the top of my head, it's like it's 140 surface foot, so that's yep. 140 inches per minute. And then it's three thou and two tenths chip load, so feed per tooth. And then the depth of cut is like, like I said, one and a half thou. Interesting. And a one eighth step over, so yep. 0.25. And that like, that works really, really good as long as your stock is properly set up in fusion. Because if it's yep. like it sees something it didn't expect, it's going that's like 40 to 38 inches per minute. It's just like not good for the cutter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yep. but it's funny because it like at one and a half out depth of cut, it's like, are you rubbing? But it like kind of just glides along the top and doesn't make any noise. Yeah cuts and it's i mean it's cool actually yeah take a large enough you know chip load and you won't rub which is nice and you're obviously not rubbing yeah i do love high high feed milling yeah i don't like i don't understand i kind of do the the physics behind the ghosting thing where it like it'll show up all the way through like three different so like on bevels in particular right yeah and so i wonder if it has something to do with the way like fusion calculates a step, like an actual width of cut, like a how it takes a width of cut versus, or maybe it's something to do with like the mm-hmm. stair stepping, but it's, I don't know. I haven't had any issues with, with actual ghosting. What mm-hmm. I thought was ghosting way back was literally just machine harmonics. Yeah. Um, but that's also because I rough semi finish and finish with, the same tools, not the same tool, but three of the same tool. Yeah. And it's basically the same tool path, just deeper. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't have any anything to ghost inherently. Yeah, because so I definitely confirmed that it's ghosting because what I used to do was like this one eighth tool would leave like 12 thou and then I would come in and like with a ball mill start yep. doing like a parallel tool path or whatever and take like go down to like six thou stock to leave. Mm-hmm. And that would like noticeably show ghosting all the way through to the finishing toolpath. And I was like, well, let's try the complete opposite. So now okay. this roughing strategy leaves just three thou. And then it's like two thou for the semi. Yep. And then I actually use three different ball hand <laughs> mills. Just so, for the finishing? Yeah. So it's like it's like a rest rough is what I'm calling it. And then semi finish okay. the actual finish. Oh, yep. Yep. I don't think. I don't think one of the ball mills is necessary, but it's working for now, so I don't really care. Yeah, I'm like process reliability, that. dude. Yeah, um, but that definitely has eliminated ghosting, and it was it was mm-hmm. almost always from the adapt the roughing strategy is what would leave Yo. ghosting. No matter what stock to leave, I would I would leave. So I don't really know, and it's definitely like per for the for experimenting. Yeah, have you so have you ever tried it? not on your rotary uh yes and and you still I, got ghosting yeah 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 and this is like all the adaptives for the almost all the adaptives have like a really high or a really low tolerance setting and like yep. very low smoothing settings just mm-hmm. trying to combat any sort of like gouging or right. that kind of thing and then like i'm turning like G187's complete so any smoothing is off for any hard milling. Okay. And that's been honestly I can't tell you if smoothing does anything because I can never 
seem to notice like if it makes a huge difference as far as one goes. So uh, yeah, I can definitely say with certainty on the brother. Oh, uh, that the high accuracy modes make a massive difference for me. Better or That's worse? Cool. Um, I can make it be as good or as bad as I want. Hmm. Like I can, I can, cause there's God, there's 20, there's 20 different inherent high accuracy modes. Jeez. Mm-hmm. And then there's, and then there's seven more on top of that, which is a combination of those 20. Well, wow. and then there's also five user definable ones where I can control all the parameters for it. Damn. It's kind of ridiculous and it's, it's a bit much if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I tried one that just prioritized speed through and through. Mm-hmm. And boy, was it quick. Oh, yeah. it looked like a Kern just just flying around. But <laughs> a usable part, it was not. Yeah, I mean, it'll it'll overshoot <laughs> stuff so bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, that like, oh, I spent a week, almost a week trying to figure out the best combination of things for cycle time and also getting what I need. I think that's kind of like where I landed up at where I was like, so the way the at least the way any of the Haas documentation lists it is like if you use G187 and then you do like P1, P2, P3, P3 is mm-hmm. like that's going to be the what was it? It was the smoothest, most accurate sort of. So it's going to be slower yep. and yep. it's trying to hit essentially commanded points. And then P1 is like you're roughing and you're going to overshoot if you're going fast enough kind of thing or it'll yeah. like turn around a bunch. But there's other settings you can change. Mm-hmm. But what was happening was I was like, I would do something trying the any of the G one eighty seven commands, and then I'm like, "Well, I feel like I'm not getting a noticeable improvement versus just leaving it off." And leaving it off, I think, is like to default, kind of like a medium between the two. And I was like, "I'm just gonna narrow down getting good results without it. That way, I don't have to keep chasing my tail around because that's what I end up doing yep. usually. Is like you try mm-hmm. to at last like point one percent." of something good yep. and it just seems to be working now. And then also like kind of forcing the tool paths that come out of fusion to be as good as possible seems to have been like really more important, at least on the slower tool path stuff than the smoothing settings. But there is a case yeah. like titanium. I'll definitely run the smoothing settings do have a noticeable difference. I just think it's the way the hauses and then hardened steels. I feel like it just seems to do better with it. Off. Oh, yeah, yep. it's, it's really case by case for sure. OK, yeah, yeah, Good. I run it by default on throughout my entire program. I actually have it set up to change the modes depending on the accuracy of the of the toolpath itself. Yeah, I wanted to ask something that might be dumb about uh, the ghosting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if the end mills you use are like variable fluid or variable helix? The this three sixteenths is variable fl- is variable flute. Okay, because I wonder how much that makes the, you know, harmonics better that uh, stuff matches up less often and uh, you don't get the same results over and over in, in like where it's cutting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you can have like so. So like if you're stair stepping on a bevel that has a pretty low, like a shallow angle and you take a very light depth of cut versus like a very deep depth of the cut and like a light radial cut. I mean, those forces are completely different where it's like one's pushing down on the part and the other is pushing the side of the part kind of yeah. thing. 
So it's like maybe it has something to do with the way it's fixtured and the part and the tool, the pressure that it creates that it overcuts doing a light width of cut. And maybe that's something to do with one like the who knows the smoothing or the way the stair steps are generated or like we just said, like the actual physics of the thing cause it to overcut. Like it's not actually commanded to overcut. It's just the way stuff is actually reacting that causes it to do that. Have you tried using like different sizes of stair step? Uh, yes. Yep. Wait, wait, like for one is a different size for roughing than what you use for finishing. So it's the way the adaptive is, it's just roughed and then it's got like the intermittent stair steps. So at is, least in is Fusion, this the 3D adaptive? Yeah. So, okay, okay. so it gets like kind of kind of confusing a little bit. So in Fusion's 3D adaptive, you can do you have your general step down and then you have a fine step down, but then you have another setting and I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but it's like minimum cutting depth or something. Yeah, but there's a checkbox for it and it's like what is it like identify flats or or identify shelves or something? Well, there's like uh, machine yeah, cavities for bores and stuff and then there's another one that's machine shallow areas is what it is. That's what it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so in machine shallow areas you can do another thing where it's like uh in between your fine step down if I if I remember this right, there you basically it'll it'll divide it based on a step over amount. So if it's if this area is inside the step over amount and the tool can fit or something, do you want to divide it more uh, in a depth way? So then yep. you can do something like, oh yeah, like one thou depth of cut, and it'll kind of break something up even more. This is like I don't have fusion open yeah. in front of me, so but the way that the light axial um, tool path works was the the normal depth of cut and the fine depth of cut were matched. So it was like one, one and a half thou, one and a half thou for both of those. And then any of the fine, what do we just call it? Shallow. Well, so, so maybe I'm misunderstanding, but the problem is, is when you finish this, you can see kind of the adaptive underneath it. Yes. You can see the wavy stair steps because Cause, cause the, I've had something similar where even like, I do like a 3D parallel surfacing tool path one way and then I do another one like 90 degrees to it and you can see the underneath one even though you theoretically should have cut away all that material. Um, yes. And so it is It is strange, um, but I was trying to figure out if, if, if you, uh, you know, make the numbers different enough from step one to step two, it does it disguise it more. I don't yeah. know. I've noticed like this sounds pretty obvious, but a finer step down is going to basically not ghost as bad because right. the tool like your ball mill, because that's what falls up. The ball mill, if it sees like a wide step, that tool pressure increases right when it gets to the step and then it decreases once the step falls away. So obviously like high tool pressure, low tool pressure in a little area in a pattern that's following the adaptive prior is going to cause it to ghost because you're mm -hmm. literally, you're well, taking the pattern and, and, and doing yeah, that rigidity. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. So like you're on that parallel, you were saying where it's like 90 degrees to it. 
Yeah. You're actually running into the leftover cusp height and you're doing the almost the same thing where the tool, it's like tool pressure increases and then decreases and that causes it to ghost. Even though it's 90 degrees, like it's still running into the cusp like at 90 degrees. And so it'll look like almost that you didn't run at 90 degrees kind of thing. This sounds kind of weird saying well, it. So here, here's what I'm wondering though is is... What I struggle with is I know it also matters how much stock you leave on each step, yes. right? Because you can have different step heights, but then like there are 1,000 steps, but then you could leave, you know, 2,000 from the finished surface or you could leave 20,000, mm-hmm. you know, and the steps are still only 1,000, but there's a bigger amount of material to get to the bottom. And I have heard things in the past that you don't want to leave. Like when I think of finishing, I think of leaving a really tiny amount to take off. So there's less tool pressure, but, but maybe if, if you're, maybe if you're having ghosting problems, you do want to take a bigger cut so that the difference between the cusp heights, uh, is less of the total cut and maybe it'll matter less. So you, so you're thinking, so you're thinking like if you left more material from the adaptive, that gives you more, material for the following tool to cut which would get yeah. rid of the thing. so at least in my experience it's definitely not the case because of tool pressure matches what's left behind and then with a lot of stock to leave that causes the tool to actually start really following what was left behind but it's it's literally like material tool machine fixture dependent for everything and at least that's what i found for hard milling is like extremely low remaining stock plus high tolerance has been working because if you're like if you do like the typical default adaptive tolerance you're also probably leaving with smoothing you're probably leaving like an additional thou and a half on top of your stock to leave that you might not be considering in your like mental calculation of what's left over kind of thing yeah i because like we we always talk about this like the the theory that we we can't, we never seem to f- actually have experience with in reality is is like oh if you leave too little then the tool rubs because the edge of the tool isn't actually cutting i feel like like maybe that applies to like lathe stuff where there is actually like the edge isn't is often like you know pretty significant it's not like a sharp like end mills are pretty damn sharp most of the time so I don't know. I feel like we're always talking about how we can just do infinite ghost passes and we're still taking off on material and it doesn't just rub. But I guess that's what the theory would be is if you don't, if you don't, uh, if you leave too little material remaining, uh, it's going to ghost because it's really just kind of smushing itself against all the hills and not taking a real cut. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's very, it's really up to experimenting. I will say, I was about to say that like, rubbing has not shown its face but i was looking at the finishing ball mill like that's running a hydraulic holder and i was looking at it and i was like can i run this again under the microscope and usually like you look at a cutter and it's chipped like it's got edges chipped on it whatever Mm -hmm. like the coating's gone there's a literal like void in the cutting edge and you're like okay that's bad because obviously you're gonna leave a little stair step where it's not there this cutter i was like it's leaving a weird finish. I have no idea why it looks totally fine. And I finally saw it to where the edge was actually rolled over like all four edges. And it didn't 
there was no like visual indicator that it was broken or anything. Like it wasn't chipped or like actually uh, had like a toothy look to it. And I think that actually was the tool, I don't know, rolling over or smearing. Like the finish wasn't very good, but like the coating and everything was there, but you could see a diameter difference where the cutting tool path was using the tool, but it wasn't chipped or anything. So I wonder if that's actually the effect of rubbing. But like you said, rubbing usually doesn't show its face unless you're like, you know, you're taking one tenth or two tenths. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess like, we are talking about hard milling and, you know, definitely we do see tools wear out fast. So I'm sure there's like some blunting of the edges going on. Yeah. The um, hose because of the heat heat thing, the spindle moves too much for it to even matter. <laughs> yeah. Lucky me. Like it grows. Yeah. No, so I, it, I, Yeah. Yeah, so you end up spending 20 minutes hard milling and the temperatures increase 20 degrees. That thing's not where you expect it anymore anyways. Yeah. I um, keep forgetting what I was going to say. Dalen, you say something. I need a rotary. No, you don't. I do. You need a, you need a fifth axis. Well, clearly that as well. Please so just, just, I don't know. If, if I was to do it again... I just stay three axis and then save up and get a real fifth axis. That's just that's just me at this point. Well, the, the the brother T two hundreds are really nice, supposedly. Yeah, there's but, there's uh, definitely a place for sure. Yeah, so I mean, it'd be solely for blade bevels, and I would maybe do some high density fixturing on them as well for other stuff. But my thought behind that is, I wonder how long it would take to pay itself off in just tooling costs because I can actually utilize the side of a ball end mill. So I think well, it would pay itself off quicker I, than I think. I don't I think, think John was here last week when we were talking, I was saying, I'm just going to consider buying a second Pearson pallet to mount at an angle. Then forget fourth X, forget fifth X is just mount the whole thing at an angle. So as far as like, rotary stuff goes i think there is literally a case for being if you're if you're a knife maker for a rotary mm-hmm. like i definitely you know you you can really see it um i still suck so it's like you know <laughs> but definitely like, somebody who knew what they were doing could definitely utilize it a lot better than i am yeah i wouldn't but, um i, I definitely know. wouldn't use it for for live fourth axis surfacing i would use it solely for positional so i can actually use the side of a ball end mill that's and at this point, that's literally all I'm doing because I've found that just running parallel locked is the best way to get a good finish. Like only yep. using X Y yeah. or, or X Z whatever, yep. or and then the only and it's not simultaneous either. It's just repositioned for the right you know angle is just that like bull nose on the handles that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, positional like that's where it shines and simultaneous. I think even on a brother, like I don't think you could get as good simultaneous finish versus like a normal parallel toolpath. No, yeah, I wouldn't expect that out of a out of a rotary. Yeah. But that was what I was thinking about while while listening to the to the yeah. ghosting. If if you could the only so I've thought about like you said being able to use the full ball, but then I'm like mm-hmm. that means and this is what I found out is like okay, cool. I have this full ball, right? So I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to machine at 15 degrees, right? Okay, it's wearing out. I'm going to machine at 30 degrees. The yeah, problem I was just going to bring that up. 
Yeah, the problem is when you do that, it sounds really nice. Is like one, and there you can do this if you spend enough time. You have to track that changeover. So you have to change. Yep. The, you have yep. to change the surface footage changes when you change the angle because the diameter of the tool changes the contact mm -hmm. point. So now you have like it's unless you you can match it one to one like that's a change, and then like you can you can definitely you can do it. You could definitely do it, but. At least for me, it's like the angle changes, so the fixture's moving, and it's a haas. So like, right? Is it one to one? Is like fifteen degrees versus thirty degrees? There's just so right. much. There's so much stuff that changes with just some angle changes. That is it worth it to track all that stuff, or is it worth it just to swap the tool kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> at, at your production numbers, I think you could actually. Yeah, you could justify. But. I'm going to request a quote on Monday out of sheer curiosity because I also want to do pen stuff. I've had a real itch to do pens. And while a fourth axis is not a lathe, um, it would help. Yeah, I'd buy a lathe. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I am looking right now. It's, it's hard to justify the lathe for, you know, solely pens because of new market ideas. A, a couple but, other options that I don't think we've really explored is like, there are indexable tools that uh, have round inserts for surfacing. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Some of like often they are bigger, so it affects your fixture density potentially. But I don't know. Some of them it might be worth. And again, you can like rotate them into several positions and, and it, it wouldn't change anything on like rotating them a fifth axis. Yeah. I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find any form of like indexable ball end mill that has good enough edge geometry for what we're trying to do. Yeah, I guess I don't have a lot of experience. At least on a more generic style, like like insert kind of setup. I but, mean, I there's got to there be are... people who want that product, though. Like, uh, well, there are... OSG makes one, actually. It's in the game. Yeah, there are, there are really cool... It, you buy basically an arbor, a shank, and it has a special thread that you literally thread a ball end mill tip into and it's well, all that, carbide. That, that, we have talked about that, but I was talking about more traditional inserts. Might just be, be like two if it's if it's a smaller tool, it'd just be like one or two uh you know just circular inserts with a screw. Yeah. And my view my viewpoint on it has been like that tool diameter actually matters a ton because of tool pressure and tool pressure matters a yep. a huge yep. amount as far it as does. surface yep. That, that's true. three eighths balls ruin the and like I never messed around like getting the right surface finish for it, mm -hmm. but it was a noticeable like they moved parts instead of cut them, and it's just because yes. of the way the thing's fixtured. But yep. it's just more contact area. No, I I I've been thinking about that because like for a while when I first got the Tormach, I was so frustrated that like I just couldn't do anything with a half inch end mill. I was so used to like half inch being the default like in a real machine, quote unquote. Yeah. And, uh, and I just couldn't, you just can't use it in a Tormach. It just, it's too much power on the machine. You most can't of even the use time. it on a Haas. <laughs> right. What I've used half inch generals all the time in a Haas. You, you can, but I don't or, know. What are you doing? I honestly, like I look at expense, I look at even three eights tooling and I'm like, it's literally double the cost of like well, quarter inch tooling. Yeah. It, it, there's I'm the, the costing. Yeah. Well, so what I was going to say though is, 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 that's how I used to feel. Now I feel like 
small tools are are really the way to go. Like it, it's you know I don't know if my tools are gonna. I mean I don't know if my um, parts are gonna pop out of my fixtures if I were to switch back to using half inch tools because I'm just using like these half inch mighty bites. I don't know if they're just gonna get ripped out of the fixture. Yeah, um, there's a balance with everything for sure. Mm-hmm. I usually just look at the length of death. Words are hard. I just look at the depth of cut that I want to take, and I and I gauge diameter accordingly, assuming it'll fit in wherever I'm trying to put it. Yeah. What's the biggest end mill you uh, use, Dalen? Yeah, quarter inch. Yeah, that's what I thought. And you, yeah. Grant? I mean, uh, John. It's a uh, yeah, quarter inch. What's the? How about the longest depth of cut tool you use, Dalen? Uh, uh, my longest tool that is used in production is a quarter inch by three quarter length of cut, but I really truly only need like 570 thou. And I keep trying to buy five eighths ones and I keep getting three quarter inch length ones. Yeah. I use a, a well, David, you should answer the question too. What's, what's the widest? Well, I, I do use, so, uh, an actual like end mill, I, I just use quarter inch, but then I have a little like kind of one inch face mill and then a one and a half or is it two and a half inch face mill Mm -hmm. uh, that's indexable. Um, And then longest, uh, I mean, probably like a double chamfer thing that sticks out like an inch and a quarter or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, I don't know what the, my stuff's super thin. I, I wish everything had shorter flutes. I, I only need like a quarter inch of flutes for everything. I use this this really stupid three flute 100 thou like wide cutter that's got a one inch depth of cut or a one what inch flute length. No. <laughs> Is it what the like uh, Lakeshore Carbide Feed Mill? No, no. I use it to cut the bore in the backspacers. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, it's It's like Is a it, neck I get a really nice finish with it. Is it a flat end or or is it more of like a like a three flute drill? No, it's flat. Yeah, it's an end mill for sure. And they're cheap. It's, they're like it's just like a it's like a neck <laughs> end mill though. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh no, it's not. I guess it's not. Yeah, it's necked. It's it's one one hundred thou uh, with the cut, and it's like a one twenty five neck. I think. So yeah. it's just like a normal one eighth shank. <laughs> but yeah, and it's on like a. I don't know what the tool i'm holding it with but it's like on a four inch long like er 16 it's because it's got to get tilted at 90 degrees yeah it's a pretty scary operation too like in the oh yeah yeah i mean some of the stuff i've i've made i really like i have a couple of these three eighth inch end mills but it's only like three eighths uh flute length but then it's a necked end mill and it's like three inches long or something yeah and like they're super rigid and you know you just take a few passes and and you can make something fairly tall yep yep every time i hold uh my girlfriend's midnight my eyes always end up looking at that hole and then being sad for you (laughs) (laughs) looking looking at the probable probable burr that's sitting in one one of the holes that i couldn't get i hope they don't have a flashlight (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a gnarly feature. It's a great like it's a really cool design, but it's a gnarly feature. Yeah, that's a constant. Why did I do this to myself? At this point, <laughs> it's like it's whatever. It's, it's cool. dialed, right? So like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But but in the beginning, it was like, why? Why did you do <laughs> I this? myself? Hooray! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Should we finish up? Okay. Yeah. Let's Bye. Finish. Okay.
Uh, bye. Thanks for Good night. Good night.